0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 25 of Future Tech Chat. This show is hosted by me, Rob Atrell, along with my cousin Mike. I hope you're excited to join us today while we talk about social media during crisis. Today we'll be discussing how networks like Twitter are useful in protests and uprisings, how censorship affects social media and ways around that, and how social networks can help humans share information during emergencies. Nicholas Maddox is also here with us today, and so the balance of power in the show is shifting slowly from Eastern Canada to the West. Some things never change. Thanks for tuning in to Future Chat. Now let's get started.
1: What's up, Rob? What's up, Rob?
0: What's up with you guys?
1: Um, I'm in the heart of the New West. That's exciting. <laughs> How does it feel? It feels uh feels Calgarian, although I've been benefiting greatly from the rain shadow this week, like the you know, moist air gets forced up over the mountains and then, then it just all rains out before it actually gets to Calgary, and that's been great for my hip, but uh, it's a great day today.
2: See, most people would have to have mountains explained to them, but Rob is fortunately from the west, so we can <sighs> bypass that altogether, so...
1: Well, yes, but there is the issue that people other than you or Rob would listen to this later, and they (laughs) might need an explanation.
2: That is also true.
0: It's kind of sad to think that you have to explain mountains to people.
2: Just being able to see mountains from where you live, that's kind of the main thing. What do you mean, like, it's sad that
1: they have to be explained to people?
2: No, like, some people have never experienced mountains.
0: Yeah. Probably true. And it's sad.
1: It's Mm -hmm. true. And it is sad. Can you see uh, the mountains from Edmoni?
2: I don't know. I actually never
1: noticed. I don't think you can. I don't That's think you not can, in no. the. It doesn't experience Chinook, so I don't think it's that close. No. So far as I know. Yeah.
2: Well, I. I from Edmonton, what I remember, you can't see mountains that, that far north.
1: Edmonton, more like Deadmonton, am I right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know what I'm
0: talking about. <laughs> I'm I'm sad this week, you guys. Screen are you sad? Screen sharing has killed my lower third.
1: Aww. Oh man.
0: I've literally tried everything and I can't get it back.
2: How are people
1: gonna know who you are?
0: I know, right? It,
1: and what your completely irrelevant hashtag was?
0: <laughs> They'll know. I can do this. Uh, it, it it'll shift my screen around, but it won't. Anyways, that's beyond irrelevant.
2: It's it's topical because we're talking about social media, and this is media in a social sense that isn't working right now.
1: True. It is, it's true. This is one of the pitfalls of using using social media.
2: Sometimes we don't get
0: people
1: knowing who you are. Yeah. In all honesty Your your name's probably like Fred or something.
0: My my name is Rob, and my I had hashtag future chat underneath the bottom, but it's gone now. Oh hey Rob, so (laughs) let's let's move on to real social media issues, and I want to start talking about. Yeah, I want to start with a caveat today that when we're going to talk about protests and things going on around the world that use social media, we don't intend to comment on the actual protests themselves. We're not necessarily as informed about them but what we want to talk about is the implications or like, we're certainly not going to get political but we want to talk about the implications that the social media networks that are being used and the ways that are being used to communicate how those affect the protests that are going on
1: right and so we have yeah we have little to no or we are going to perform little to no discussion on religious extremism and you know, uh, oppressive governments, yada, yada, yada.
0: Exactly. But we do want to comment on how social media is helpful or how it can be detrimental in some cases to those processes. And so I think we should start just talking about, I think the most important thing that's happened in social media to the openness of communication between people, regardless of circumstance, is... Twitter, the social network. Just in terms yeah. of being able to communicate instantly with anyone around the world, it's it's hard to put any other network or any other method of communication above Twitter and what it does. Uh, so maybe let's talk a bit about if, if any of us have experiences where Twitter came in handy, like being able to look at Twitter to <laughs> see what was going on came in handy during some situation. Do you guys have... Any stories to tell? Because I know I have several that we, I...
1: Can... We have the same one, actually. Well, At least talk, one of our stories.
0: Let's talk about the, the most recent one right now in, in Ottawa this
2: past Wednesday.
1: Oh, that wasn't like, specific to Mike and I. <laughs> what
2: do you mean? That... Who, what are you talking about? Are you talking about well, you and I have the same one?
1: I was saying the flood in Calgary. Yeah. Oh, that too.
2: Yeah. So, so can... do you have the same one as every all of us? Maybe.
1: <laughs> I don't, like that one, it's not the most recent, but that was an instance where we actually had to turn to Twitter yeah, in to order to find out information because the like there was so much traffic to the city of Calgary site that it actually crashed and it couldn't handle the bandwidth, yeah. but yeah. It, they kept tweeting with a certain hashtag and that's how a lot of people got their information. Yeah.
2: Well, let's give a bit of background for the actual event, and I guess we'll start with the Calgary flood since we're talking about it now. Yeah. Uh, the um for those that don't know, the Calgary flood was just this I wouldn't call it a freak or flash flood, but people kind of anticipated that it may have happened or may happen because of all the rainfall. And then one morning I guess it uh the river started rising and flooding and uh, they eventually gave out an evacuation notice <clears throat> and then People were just kind of waiting around to see if they'd have to evacuate, what areas were going to be affected, were already affected. And, um, Nick, as you said, there was a hashtag YYC flood that you could follow to get that kind of news. And it would either be official news from, like, the Calgary police where they're saying, okay, we're now evacuating this area, this area, this area. Or people themselves will be saying, oh, we see water coming up over wherever. Or they'll say, hey, if anyone needs a place to stay, there's – room here or whatever. So, you know, it's just like, you know, just this news source that, yeah, like wasn't official, but there was no real other way to get that type of news that quickly. You'd have to wait for like the news in an hour for it to filter through whoever had to actually report it. So
1: Yeah. And as a as a sort of background which I find amusing, um, I was coming home from work not the day before we were evacuated, but the day before that. And it really started raining hard, and I had had like a couple showers in Calgary, and on my way home, like I was just through. It reminds me of how it rains back home. I didn't think it rained here like this ever, and it turns out when it does rain like that, it floods.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I remember, like, for us, we lived downtown at the time, um, just in the East Village, and the places upriver or downriver?
1: Towards the mountains?
2: Yeah, so, so the, the places further south were getting evacuated. Actually, no, the places further north and further south were getting evacuated, but in our downtown core, it wasn't as high yet, so we were like, okay, well, should we evacuate? Are we going to get evacuated? That kind of thing, because there was no official word yet, so I... Found out about this Twitter feed, and I actually tweeted to the Calgary Police saying, "Hey, is these village gonna get evacuated?" And they replied like within five minutes and said, "Yeah, it's on the list. Head out now while you still can, kind of thing, or while while you have that much more time." So it was like, like how else are you able to do that? Like you can't call up the police station and say, "Are you gonna be evacuating?" And the news obviously didn't have anything yet, but the the Twitter account replied to me saying, "Yeah, it's on the list. Get out while you while you have more time." So. I don't know, that was, to, to me, that was kind of like, holy cow, this is, like, crazy, you can do this and this.
1: Yeah, that was great.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's also a really good way that I've found
0: for people, like, I, I didn't really have this experience myself, and obviously I wasn't involved in the Calgary in the flood, because I wasn't there, but if, if somebody is stuck and can't get out, or if they're just trying to tell everybody that they're safe, it's sort of like a, it's a place where you can go to see if somebody is okay how they're doing like if somebody knew that you were stuck in an apartment or something and there was flood all around you and you couldn't get out or weren't going to be able to get out and they need to be rescued if if somebody can if a family member can go to your twitter feed and see that you're saying oh i'm stuck like whatever network is down i can't communicate with you in any other way or this website's crashing what kind of information's going on it's a place where people can go to see that you're okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. I thought that was, and that's... that was powerful. Go ahead, Nick.
1: Although that's, uh, for, for me anyway, that was Facebook during the flood. Like everyone was asking me over Facebook what was going on. And so I Twitter versus Facebook. It depends on your audience, I guess.
2: Yeah, and there's I actually read a story this week I think on a guy who was trapped in I think it was a bookstore. He went in to use their free Wi-Fi and they closed up while he was in there and then he tried to get out and they locked the doors on him. And uh I guess he like tried yanking on the door and he set the alarm off. So then when the security or police whoever called into the store to see what was going on, he like he's like, Oh so I'm like stuck in here like oh yeah someone will be down and it was like a couple hours and still no one came so he went to Twitter he's like oh and he tweeted to like the Barnes and Noble or whoever account is like oh I'm trapped in your bookstore so they actually like sent someone down to like let him out
0: how does that happen though
2: <laughs> I don't know they I guess he went in right at the right time as they were shutting out shutting down and they probably like already checked the upstairs or wherever he was they were on their way locking out and then right.
1: got that stuck in strange.
2: yeah is there like
1: are we South Park fans at all
2: No. I'm familiar with it so far.
1: And I was just standing here. I got locked in Barnes & Noble. Why can't I get out Barnes & Noble? (laughs) No? No. That (laughs) was funny, though. Alrighty. Enjoy that, Internet.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. I mean, in terms of what Nick, you were saying about Twitter versus Facebook and the, the whole audience thing, that it's also it's important to know this. It's not just Twitter. Like Twitter is just a really good example, and it yeah, people tend- is, sorry. Uh, a higher percentage of people are have public profiles on Twitter, and so yeah. broadcast like you're literally broadcasting. You're not just saying something to an audience of just your friends. You're saying something to everybody.
1: And the the retweet functionality appears to be far more prolific on Twitter. Like the ability for news to just explode quickly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the use of hashtags has evolved quite a bit. You know, like I even had friends on Facebook saying, Oh, because when Facebook introduces hashtags, they are like, Oh, why why do people even use hashtags? They're so pointless, whatever. And it's like, well, they can actually be useful if there's a specific event or something that you're trying to follow and want a constant stream of like you said, public profiles as opposed to just your three friends that are experiencing something. So I think they serve its own purpose in each each way you want to use it.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. Between hashtags and mentions like that it's it's extremely powerful i have because i have a podcast that that is ottawa centric i have a, a column on tweet deck that is a search for ottawa the hashtag ottawa or just use to the word ottawa and so on wednesday it, it proved extremely useful because like i already had it set up but it, i could have set it up at any point but it was just like there was information constantly pouring in and it wasn't necessarily people i followed but it was everything that was coming in about ottawa
1: Yeah Yeah. Hashtags They're a thing They're useful Bold stances we take It's not Well I mean And it's good when it's You know a useful one But Unless you're like But first Let me take a selfie
0: (laughs) The ones where Like it's in After a plane crash They're like trying to get the plane In the background
2: (laughs) Or the guy who took a picture Of like a burning house Behind him Yeah Yeah that's
0: pretty funny. There are definitely misuses of all of it, and it's. I I found it particularly useful. Again, uh, fo- follow. I happen to follow a lot of journalists, and so there were people that were. I'm going to shift off of Calgary We can come back to it if there are other stories. But I'm going to shift to Ottawa in my experiences this past week. Uh, there were a lot of journalists. Some were trapped in their own buildings, like in the CBC building and the CTV building in Ottawa some were trapped in, there were a couple of people trapped inside parliament on lockdown there were people on the streets just trying to get away or trying to roam around and it was really powerful being able to see all those perspectives yeah and it was all so immediate i just thought it was it was really powerful and a good tool for people looking for information
1: and it was like it was even useful to a lot of news organizations because, like, they started reporting what was happening on Twitter, although that's a bit of a double-edged sword because, uh, like, there were reports on Twitter that there had been a shooting at the Rito Center, and it was later, you know, when they actually went over everything, there was actually no shooting at the Rito Center. That was just... Widespread speculation on behalf of Twitter users.
0: I, I actually have an anecdote, well, not an anecdote, but a story about that. Uh, it's, it's kind of something that journalists, when you are when you want to have journalistic integrity, you sort of have to vet stories as they come in, because they, co- they come in immediately. Anybody can say anything. And so first what you had was people saying there, there was an attack in the Rideau Center. And then the Rideau Center came out and said there was, there was no attack here. And then some, they came out and clarified and said there was an attack near the Rito Center. And then I think that was because there was a photo that showed up that there was an ambulance leaving uh, a hotel that was right next door to Parliament. And the
1: uh, the Chateau, Chateau
0: Laurier, Chateau Laurier, and Chateau uh, Fairmont. Rob Fairmont Hotel. What do you? <laughs> uh, and so there was a it's hotel-
1: the Chateau Laurier. It's the historic <laughs> Chateau Laurier, which was on. across from the train station, so the diplomats could come from the train through an underground tunnel to the uh, hotel right next to Parliament.
0: Yeah. Let's move on, because I'm so sorry. Uh,
1: so- I'm sorry I had to listen to that, Rob. I'm sorry I had to explain that to you. <laughs> you didn't, but thank you.
0: <laughs> so there was a photo that was, that showed up of an ambulance at the hotel, and so I think that's where this, that speculation came from. But there, there are all kinds of events. There are all kinds of things going on. So it's you can't say like it's it's an obvious thing to draw a connection there, even if there isn't one. You see an ambulance, you assume something happened, but it might not have been related. It could have just been a random. Someone had a heart attack, or someone had something going on at the hotel. It happens all the time. And so <clears throat> there were all these reports, but it's important to to take them. Take five minutes, confirm that something happened. Because there were all kinds of things that would be said, but then it was if within five minutes it wasn't taking off in popularity, like it's pretty safe to say it didn't happen because they like there was there's no confirmation. There was not there's no continuation of the story. It's just something someone said something and then it stopped.
2: And uh, anyone want to take that? I think Mike had the precedence on that one. Oh, I, I was just going to mention about, I guess, going on fake, not fake news, but just misleading news or whatever, that I remember during the Calgary flood, um, there was a, a a very popular viral photo of the Saddledome half filled up with water, like up into the stands and whatever, and people were like, oh, look at this flood, like, you know, this is crazy, look how high up it is, and then they all came out and said, no, that's actually not how the Saddledome looks right now, they're just, I guess someone... At least the story was that someone created the photo to illustrate if the water was in the saddle dome, this is how high up it would be, but oh. the saddle dome actually wasn't that filled up with water. They did have another photo circulating with like a spotlight shining down into the saddle because the power was out, obviously, and it was shining on the water and that there was water in the saddle room, but... This the other photo, it was like a completely lit salad with water just like halfway up the stands. And it's like, well, no, that's that's not a real photo. But everyone would just retweet it and comment and it just went around. And yeah, it's, it's kind of have to be careful about what you're, what you're seeing and retweeting to see if it's actually confirmed.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And on the note of, you know, actually confirmed news and stuff like that, the CBC's coverage through the Ottawa shootings was absolutely excellent. Um, not like it was not only wild, widely heralded in Canada, but there have been news organizations around the world or bloggers, whatever, have come out and said this is what uh, reporting during a crisis should look like. It was great. And <clears throat> even paused it about you know a few hours into it, saying, "Okay, so what do we actually know for sure?" so far and it was a really good way of you know figuring out what had been actually confirmed by government police organizations stuff like that and what was just widespread speculation and so I feel like that's like Twitter can't replace something like the CBC because the CBC is that actual balanced voice that's like now hold on just a minute, guys. Let's let's make sure we're getting it right here. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. also why I love the C B C and I hope well, I
2: don't know. I got strong feelings about C T V Yeah. Well even there's a screenshot of the City TV, I guess a Toronto based um, media organization, whatever. And they're yeah, they're infographic for or not infographic but they're I don't know, whatever, title slide or whatever of the, the event was, like, terror on Parliament, and it was, like, this dark sky of, like, Parliament, and, like, metallicized letters, like, in bold across, like, the thing is, like, super dramatic and alarmist and whatever, and it's, like, you don't need to do that to give good news, like. Yeah.
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, uh, and you're, they're obviously trying to, the news media in the States has been very successful, not at giving news in a balanced kind of way, but in Making money for their advertisers,
1: fear mongering and sensationalizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So it, the incentive to do that is there, but you kind of have to step back from it and say, "Are we doing uh, like are, this? Is not what we were hired to do? We were hired to put together something that is informational and not sensational." Yeah, I think the CBC did a good job of that, even when they were report. Like it's it's almost impossible to report one hundred percent factual, correct information, especially when. You're sitting there for hours at a desk, just trying to process new information, come up with what is right, what's wrong. But I think the balance that they hit was a lot closer to 100% than it was to to typical news networks.
2: Yeah, yeah. Even with like the whole Ebola cases in the states, and I think there, I saw some reports that they were comparing it to like ISIS, and it's like, oh, the ISIS of back of disease or something. Like, and it's like, why do you even have to sensationalize? And fearmonger with that kind of thing is like,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> not at all. So, uh,
0: is does anyone else have anything to say about Twitter? We'll probably come back to Twitter at some point, but uh, what I want to talk, kind of switch gears and talk about something that happened to me, and I'm not sure if this happened to you guys uh, in Calgary, is that a lot of the cellular networks and Wi-Fi. Uh, Sometimes Wi-Fi, but like the cellular networks in general, you, for your cell phone went down. And something that happened in Ottawa is that the my cell my cell phone didn't have reception, but the cellular networks are fine. It's the fact that they were trying they were trying to shut down communication from possible people roaming the streets, like people trying like oh other other shooters or people that could have been out there. They're trying to jam the network so that. The police are the only ones who can communicate. And so a lot of people were saying, oh, man, there's so many people trying to call each other and trying to get in touch, and that's why the networks weren't working. But that's not what it was. It was that the police have network jammers that they were employing to cut communications from the
1: people. That sounds like a really good idea. Yeah.
0: And that's – so at first I was like, oh, man, like everyone's trying to contact loved ones, and that makes makes sense. But – there was no increased like that that does happen. Cell networks do go down, but they go down when there's a lot of people, like more people than normal in one small space. And that didn't happen in this so that that's not the reason the networks went down. They were being jammed by the police. And eventually that news did get around. The police were saying we're using jammers, like if you can't communicate, it's not the network's down. It's not that anything bad has happened. We're doing this on purpose. Just hold out.
1: Yeah. Um that actually did happen when, um, when was it? I think it was in, it was the earthquake in 2010 in Ottawa, which, you know, wasn't a major earthquake or anything, but uh, what was it? Like, everyone was trying to call, text one another, and the networks just couldn't handle it, and they kind of crashed. Although, at the time, I was with Wind Mobile. And that was one time in which it actually proved invaluable, because <laughs> nobody Showtime. was on, nobody was on Wind Mobile. So I just was like, "Yeah, my phone's working fine." Woo! <laughs> I actually lent my phone to a couple people so they could call, and yeah.
0: It's so everyone should have a backup Wind phone just in case something bad happens to the real networks. Is that what you're unless, saying?
1: Unless Wind becomes popular, in which yeah. case it will once again be useless. <laughs> Although, if it gets popular enough, it
2: might get better. I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So they didn't jam the data and SMS networks, did they?
0: They jammed the whole... Like, my my cell phone went through, like, full service sometimes, and then it would just drop completely sometimes to no service. Sometimes the data would just disappear, but it was... Yeah, it was everything. It was... Okay. Just, again, just in the downtown region, everyone else was not affected by it. But, yeah, I definitely thought it was an interesting use, and and it's a good idea to cut off the communication because uh, you can – there are ways around that, but that cuts yeah. off – like, if you're planning to use that to communicate and then it's gone, you don't really have any way to organize. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, why don't you tell us about some ways around that, Rob?
2: Yeah. That's a good segue. Yeah. Uh,
0: so there, there are ways – we'll switch – Sides to government censorship and protests here, because there are like there's a protest going on in Hong Kong right now that again I don't I'm not an expert on it I don't want to talk about that but I want to talk about the the people that are protesting not having access to internet connections specifically because the government has turned the networks off or has mandated the companies running them turn the networks off and. There are applications that have been built in the last year or so, and I'm they're sure there are applications prior to that, but there are applications that use um, peer-to-peer networking. And so basically if you're in a group of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people and there's no network, all of those people can still communicate because if if each, if each everyone passes the word to download this app, and in this case the, the app they're using and the app that, that I've actually tried out before is called FireChat, and it basically, it, it will connect anyone that has it and is using it, it'll connect them together via what are called ad hoc networks. So they're networks that are formed as needed. And so messages can spread through a network of phones without there being any cell towers or any Wi-Fi hotspots or, or any even um, access points or anything and so you don't need a network infrastructure. You just need a bunch of devices, and the me- and messages can spread. And so they're using that to communicate and to organize, even though the government has shut down the official internet providers. Uh, and so yeah, it's from what I understand, it uses. It I don't I don't think it uses Bluetooth necessarily. It might use Bluetooth to to quickly pair to establish which devices are on the network, but then it uses. Wi-Fi to communicate. Okay, that's it's Wi-Fi is a lot more. I mean, there's Bluetooth Low Energy, which is Bluetooth 4.0, which a lot of new phones come with. It's good for like, hey, you over there, within 30 feet of me, hi, and then like so the devices will shake hands and and know who each other are. But then, Bluetooth uses a lot of power, whereas Wi-Fi uses a lot less, and so they'll use Wi-Fi to actually communicate. <laughs> so,
1: so is that it's there? Did we talk about that in our test chat? Microphone test chat, Rob. Yes. I think okay. Because I was like reaching out and shaking. That he's told me about that before, but when? <laughs> when? But yeah, like I, I think that's. I haven't heard about those apps yet, but I know. I think it was during one of the things that happened in Libya. In the time since Muammar Gaddafi was ousted, I think they were having. A period of civil unrest and everyone was taking to Twitter to document everything. And like the the government then shut Twitter down within that country. And I think FireChat or something like that would prove really invaluable for people that need to communicate.
2: Yeah. I think that was Turkey, wasn't it? Turkey. Oh Turkey as well, I believe. Turkey was, yeah, Turkey shut down Twitter. Yeah. It might have been both. Yeah. yeah.
0: There, I mean, there there are a lot of countries that have gone out of their way to stop their people communicating in official ways.
1: Yeah. Well, and Arab Spring was another thing that Twitter just exploded on, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's... I don't know, it's interesting because, you know, barring national governments shutting it down, it's like an absolutely free form of communication that can just be broadcast worldwide. It's like when the internet was first discovered, they were saying that, you know, um, initiatives towards world peace would pick up a lot of steam. And they said the reason for that would be that you could just have a completely democratic broadcast system. And as shallow and vapid as a lot of Twitter users are criticized for being, I mean, it's proving invaluable for actual useful situations, and I mean even Facebook to some extent, because it was I woke up, I think it was Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning and I just thought I'll check Facebook and see if anything is up, and then I saw Dave Bryce's post that there had been a shooting and the story was on the Globe and Mail I was like, oh dear I need to get up and check the news
2: yeah yeah, and I think it, it definitely works in both sides of the coin as far as uniting people both for a cause for peace but also causes against peace as well that we've that we've seen and, and heard about and probably in a more underground sense versus Twitter and Facebook, but there's definitely um social networks and message boards and reddit, subreddits and all that kind of stuff that that people will connect with that shares particular views that may or may not be toward the same goal of world peace.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, what's, theoretically speaking, of course, what's the difference between a revolution and a terrorist organization, right? Although, an interesting note on that is, I've heard about, you know, suppressing extremist groups on the Internet, and I might be wrong, but I think the government of Canada might be trying to pass a bill similar to this. And I'm going to get briefly political. I apologize, but from what I have heard, police organizations actually don't like suppressing uh, the free speech on the internet because you will have these extremist groups, or you know, illegal or groups condoning illegal activities, and they will set up message boards and things like that, or participate on social media. But when you suppress their ability to do so, they tend to go further and further underground. And so it's just a lot easier to catch them if they're speaking openly and publicly than if you're actually suppressing that speech. Hmm. Yeah. That that's a bad point. It's true. But that's what yeah. I've heard anyway.
0: Uh, so another interesting use of this, which we touched on briefly, is natural disasters, uh, like larger scale nat- natural disasters than just a river, which affects a small group of people. A small group. Just of people. a river. One city. One city <laughs> is a small group, or one small area borders a river.
2: It was all of southern Alberta. Yeah, Rob Medicine Hat. Jeez. High River. Leth Bridge, perhaps? I'm not actually sure. No, I don't think so. Lethbridge's Bridge's <laughs> river valley is so deep. I don't think it affects... Oh, no, high, high River got destroyed. Like, yeah, like ghost And time.
1: what a shocker, a place named High River, <laughs> river flooded. Leth Bridge figured it out. Leth Bridge moved out of the Coulee like a hundred years ago. The word bridge is right in the name. <laughs> Actually, Um, it was named Left Bridge before there was a bridge built, I think, which is funny. (laughs) But anyway, maybe one day the people of High River will move to higher ground.
2: Higher River.
1: Higher River. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyway, Um, Rob, as you were saying.
0: What I'm trying to say is larger scale than just one small community. Something like a large earthquake that's going to affect millions of people or... Like It's going to directly affect millions of people yeah. as opposed to pushing people away from a river.
2: Like the Boxing Day tsunami type exactly. level?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Something that affects millions or tens of millions of people directly. And so there, there's a there's a certain um, XKCD comic that I think we should at least mention talking about physical waves from an earthquake radiating out from the center of it and talking about the speed of the internet in comparison and taught people everywhere. I know that when it, when, whenever there are even smaller earthquakes here, or I feel like the ground shake a little bit, I go and I check Twitter to see, or I'm like, Oh, did anyone else feel that? And often I'm right. And there's a, there's a Twitter account, I believe, Oh, I'm going to look it up. I think it's called Canada quakes. And so it's a, it's the network of geo, geoseismic equipment that is automatically set up to detect any seismic activity above a certain threshold and so it tweets the location the nearest city and the the richter scale measurement of the earthquake and so you can like i've actually felt it and i go and look on twitter and immediately it pops up yep 4.2 in quebec somewhere it's like okay this system works pretty well And uh, there was a while back where there was a fairly bad earthquake up the coast of BC. And that Twitter account was so busy because there were like 100 aftershocks. And so every five minutes, it would be like, like clockwork. But it's really cool. Again, a really cool use of technology is something that's set up to automatically, there's nobody sitting there typing that out. It just, whenever there's a reading, it automatically goes, okay, let everybody know about it that wants to know. Mm -hmm. That was, again... just our super cool use of technology. Uh, Do we want to mention this week Facebook's new uh, service during emergencies?
1: I think it's a fantastic idea.
0: I'm I'm interested to see. So they they have a service. I don't know exactly how it's going to be implemented, but if something bad happens in a location... The app will automatically detect, like, because it's checking your location anyways, unless you have it set up to not do that. Uh, which, again, let's not see, get into that. Really right, issue, yeah. Yeah. People whose app, Facebook app is set to check the location on an intermittent basis when they open the app, uh, it'll say, oh, I noticed you're in Calgary. In Calgary, there was a flood. Are you okay? Do you want to share the fact that you're okay with your friends? And then everyone can sort of centrally see, yep, I'm okay, and you can also say, "Oh, are, these people are also near you. Are they okay?" And then you can also confirm that everyone's okay. And so I haven't seen I, it again.
1: Sorry. I really would have liked to see that on Wednesday, but yeah. You know.
0: And so what you what you got said on Wednesday was a bunch of people saying. I mean, like I did as well. Uh, this is going on. There's there's stuff happening, and I'm fine right now things are okay, we're in lockdown, whatever. But it would be interesting to have something automatically pop up because not everybody, again, it's sort of the same thing as the Twitter firehose thing. Not everybody knows where people are going to post something. (laughs) I'd say 90% of people don't have a central place where they can say, I'm okay. Everybody I know, you can go here to see if I'm okay during whatever event. And so to have something like that that's publicized on Facebook where again, most people in North America have Facebook now. It's a good central way to say, these are the people who are, have not still not been accounted for. These are the people who are okay. And again, really great use of technology to, to solve this thing that could be pretty bad.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The communication ends up being, Complete and utter chaos sometimes, and it would be really nice to have a central location where you could check out something like that. And kudos to Facebook for recognizing that they could perform an actual public service.
2: Yeah, Yep. absolutely. But see, then they still get the the criticism from others. It's like, oh, you're checking locations, you're using that information, you're tracking where I am. It's like <laughs> <laughs>
1: so annoying. <laughs> I know. Don't you hate it when people are concerned about their privacy? Ugh. Ugh.
0: Oh, serious. It's, it's actually it is a little bit annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it is. There's a. Uh, I just want to point out that apparently Canada has been earthquake free for the last nine days. Ooh. The last one, one was the one in Banff that happened on the sixteenth. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but no. that I definitely remember hearing yeah. about
2: it. I saw. I saw a picture going around. It was like a meme type thing and it was like, BAMF earthquake. We will rebuild. And it was like a tipped over lawn chair. It was funny.
1: I've seen stuff like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I imagine it's it was 4 kilometers west of Banff, apparently. But it was a magnitude
1: 2.7. That's nothing.
0: But It's nothing, but it's in a mountainous region. I imagine it has to be a little bit worse when it's right there on a fault line.
1: Well, it's that's not a the fault line. We have a Richter scale, Rob. The, the mountains aren't a fault line, though.
0: Okay, maybe not a fault in the traditional sense. It's a compression. It's a compression yeah. zone. Yes, it's a place where two is—is is that a totally different thing? Yes. Oh, I know Robbie? it's different, but like you, it's wrong to call it a fault line. Yes, yeah, because it's not a fault. It's a plate boundary. Can I say that? Or it used to be it's, a plate boundary. It's not a plate boundary at all. It used to be two no, plates. It's not. No. Bound it together. No. Okay, explain.
2: I'm the plate boundary is over in BC, and then the compression zone was inner Canada, and that's why the mountains came up.
0: So the 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 place where mountain range form forms isn't necessarily the boundary; it's just where it was weakest, so that's where it buckled. Okay,
1: that's. So what's the fault? I I actually like that you know. We're, like I'm used to people talking about you know chemicals or toxins or something like that and. Throwing out these chemistry-specific definitions and me going, well, that's not it at all. <laughs> you're, you're shooting for like technical language, but you're massacring it right now. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's what just happened. Like Rob was like, "No, this is a thing," and this, and Mike's just like, "No, <laughs> no, I like, have." I, a I know, in I know this.
2: what he was no. trying to get at. I know. I knew what you're trying to get at, but it's we
0: don't you want know, to. No, and I appreciate that correction because. Yeah. I think, like, I knew that there was a fault in BC. I just assumed that there was also one, and that was where it... But I guess it doesn't have to be where it buckled. That would be the weakest point, not necessarily right at the boundary. Yeah. That's so what is
1: a fault?
2: fault? It's just the boundary between two places that slip one way or another. Um, and even, And even a fault isn't necessarily a plate boundary. Those are two different things, too. Because
1: I don't think there's a tectonic plate boundary near Ottawa but there is a fault line that runs through the Carlton campus.
2: Yeah, and you, you can you can have a fault line wherever. You can have faults like in a it. crack. Yeah, it's that just a crack cool. between two two oh,
1: okay. formation. Yeah. all right. And I feel like that's another example of a fault that you can find with Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for rolling that into it.
0: <laughs> Anytime. Geology You're puns are the mind. best. <laughs> Uh, you're not even in Ottawa anymore, and you're still... You're not even in Eastern Canada, and you're still hitting on Carleton.
1: Uh, oh. GG forever. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> let's move on to maybe one of the last things we're going to cover in the actual show. Uh, Nick, you raised this point to me, and I think that it's interesting, and I think that we should at least mention it. The, the keep calm and carry on... Uh, saying, and how in popular culture today, it's not
1: It is brutalized. It's not,
0: and I hate it. it's not relevant at all, but this past Wednesday, it actually was relevant, and maybe you could explain a bit why. Why it's bad, and why it's, yeah, on this week it was good, or could be used positively.
1: Yeah, I I am firmly of the opinion that what Ottawa needs to do right now is to keep calm and carry on. And the Keep Calm Carry On campaign was, uh, it was started during, or at least a little before the Blitz in London, London, England, the fun London, (laughs) not the London I lived in, (laughs) but uh, yeah, so German bombs were falling on London the entire time. And it was just a really bad situation. But what they were asking people to do was to keep calm and carry on in the face of this, you know, horrible war, frequent disasters kind of thing.
0: Well, and the constant fear. And
1: yeah, yeah. And what they, like, what they needed to do was not just give in to the fear and just, you know, let Germany take their island. But what they had to do was you know, keep the, econo- the economic engine of the country going, keep all the means of production going. And they did that, and it was great. But that's what Keep Calm and Carry On is for. So, you know, in the face of the Ottawa shootings, like it's not going to do anybody any good to just sit and cower in fear constantly after a horrible, horrible massacre. Mm-hmm. But what we have to do is keep calm, carry on, cling to the values that make us Canadian and move forward on that basis and not, you know, give in to fear-mongering and stuff like that, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Mike.
2: Oh, I was going to say, like, there's a similar campaign or saying, I guess, during the the Calgary Flood, and Nick, I'm sure you remember the Come Hell or High Water um, campaign, and the whole thing with, you know, the Flood was a week or two, at least two weeks before the Stampede, Mm -hmm. and people were wondering if we were going to even have the Stampede now because the whole Stampede grounds got trashed, and you know, it would have been a huge economic hit for Calgary if we didn't have the Stampede, and you know, their whole thing was, well no, come hell or high water, we're going to have a Stampede, and it was not only for for an economic purpose, but also just for an emotional spirit-lifting purpose of like, well, we're not going to let this flood stop us from having our our annual party kind of thing, so... I don't know it's it's kind of cool to see us come up with that type of yeah. thing to unite around. I guess.
1: Go Nenshi, right? Yeah. I still have my "Come Hell or High Water" T-shirt. Yeah. It's
2: not and even. And nobody in
1: Ontario, way Ontario way. gets it, which is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even so much the fact
0: that you want to have a party. It's a it it's a celebration of right.
1: culture, Western
0: culture. Um, well, not so much Western, Western anymore, country. but yeah.
2: It, no, it's still... I guess. In uh, aspects, but... Cowboy hats and
0: boots and horses and agriculture and rodeo. People don't Western. go O's for that. Still...
2: Yeah. People don't go for that, though. But People, people uh, uh...
1: don't go for that. Maybe not younger people, but... I go for the deep-fried food myself. <laughs> Again, great Western... <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you had deep-fried Oreos? Oh,
0: Yes, at the Stampede. Um, but... Speaking of getting back to normal, I thought last night uh, Montreal, the Alouettes, and their Ottawa Red Blacks played, and I don't know if any of you watched the pregame ceremony or happened to be or hear anything about it, but they they obviously had a great military showing on the sidelines and in the stands, but uh, Stephen Harper went, and they had. A field-spanning Canadian flag, and they had a bunch of people holding it. But um, right before they they did a like they did the speech and the moment of silence and the anthem. But normally, when you watch a football game, the the teams stand on their respective benches, and there there are two separate teams that are getting ready to fight each other. And last night, and this not that this is uncommon, but I thought it was really important and and a good showing of strength was that. During this entire process, both teams intermingled the entire length of the sideline like they alternated not alternated, but they stood together and when they went when they were singing the anthem, they all went and held up the flag as well. I just thought it was such a beautiful showing of how Canada stays together and it was just it was really great to see
1: yeah, yeah. so it's it's for reasons like that that when I see things like keep um. Gangnam Style or Keep Calm and the Doctor. I'm like, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. this is why we can't have nice things, kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's even um, I don't know if you guys heard about for the Pitts. Was it Pittsburgh, Boston?
1: No, uh, Pittsburgh no. Flyers. Or, oh. Penguins Flyers.
2: Penguins Flyers. Yeah, they did a old Canada rendition and had a. Projection of the Canadian flag, I think, on the ice.
1: Um,
2: And then, you know, it's like, it's that kind of stuff that it's like, we're not alone in this kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, And then I just going, based on, or just going off of the political aspect with the um, pre football game thing, like when I went to the Stamps game on Labor Day this year, they, uh, they did a little kind of pre game, like similar to an NFL type thing where they have the flag and they do the anthem and the fighter jets. They they did that for the Stamps game and it was it was cool because I guess like in Canada you're not used to the ultra patriotism that the U S has but I think that element added to a sporting event where everyone's there to kind of see the game and all together and you kind of have that moment of patriotism is is kind of cool and adds a lot yeah. to it I think
0: I I don't want to say uh, that I'm that we're trying to be better than anybody else but it, I think American <laughs> patriotism is different than Canadian patriotism and Canadian. I I I'm going to say oh, definitely correct. Better. I'm going to say it's better, but I'm not saying it's objectively better. I just think that different. American patriotism is like we're better than everybody else. But what Canadian patriotism was in these demonstrations was we are one. We are together. We believe in our freedoms, and that is great. Not we're great, just that we are one.
1: That's. I'm not sure I agree wholly, but... What do you think? What is... I don't necessarily think they're shooting for... What is it? There's there's an actual American exceptionalism. I don't think they're shooting for exceptionalism so much. But really?
0: I don't think they're I, shooting I mean, for exceptionalism. I think they're thinking that they've achieved it. <laughs>
1: The fact that Team America World Police is a movie is... Like, but that, that was that a spiritual examination of Bush-era foreign policy. That's
0: what I mean. The fact that that satire has to exist is uh, why that sort of exceptional patriotism is so misguided, I guess, would be the best word.
1: This is a whole other topic for discussion. <laughs> it is. <laughs> this is like after show worthy or potentially like future chat politics how about we'll end it
0: and then we'll go we'll do a bit of politics off the cuff
1: okay. <laughs> can we still talk about my boxers in the after show because yes. I really like the story that'll
0: give people incentive to listen to the after show I hope yeah <laughs> give them you would like to hear to about down. my undergarments
1: tune in ladies and gentlemen <laughs> so
0: as usual guys thanks for being here uh, people who are listening and/or watching, we would love to have you follow us on, or subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Google Plus, or on Twitter. or at Future Chats, or search for us on Facebook. If you do that kind of thing, although Facebook is horrible again, <laughs> uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, and I guess that's it. All right. Anything else you guys want to add before we
1: say temporarily goodbye? Nope. Um <laughs> I'll I'll briefly say that a couple of years ago they found or they examined the constitutions of all the newer democracies, and the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms is one of the most copied ideals in constitutional language nowadays.
0: Wow, that's that's good to hear because it for a very well maybe not a very long time but for a long time it used to be the British one.
2: Well, we're kind of an offshoot of the British probably.
0: So. Right, but apparently that's
1: after show guys after show.
0: What <laughs> yeah. I want to say no before we go into after show I just want to say one more thing on uh, on British or not British politics American politics maybe you guys can mute and then I'll just go straight into the
1: end. Um, Britain, Britain doesn't have a constitution, Rob. Are you referring to the British North America Act, which was our no, original? No, I'm talking
0: constitution? about. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the the American what how America got the constitution it has now. Yeah. They, they adapted things that were that were written about in Britain and were common law in Britain, and adapted them for their own needs. Like there's a whole thing. Like you can read about it. There's a whole thing about gun laws in Britain and and gun policy in Britain and the right to bear arms and how that was misappropriated by the US in such a way that now it's ambiguous as to what they meant by right to bear arms. And so that what was written down in Britain and what's written down in the US is different. And it's different in important ways that mean that now people in America think they have a right to guns when that wasn't necessarily... Like everybody has a right to guns, and that wasn't necessarily the intention of what was written down. That's all I was trying to say.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: I'll put a link to the stuff I wrote about it like a couple years okay. ago.
1: Okay. But... All right. All right.
0: Bye. it up. Bye, guys. Italy. Thanks for tuning in on another episode of future chat. We really enjoyed having you here and we look forward to seeing you next week for future side chat. Bye everybody.
1: All right. Okay.
0: Your politics chat.
1: (laughs) So, so there's this one day and my cousin sends me a message. He's, he had a, an old beater truck this summer, and he spent most of his summer, like, you know, fixing it up. Mm-hmm. And one day he messages me and says, "Hey, uh, do you mind just taking a look at this? Because we're having a heck of a time." Rob, where'd you go?
2: <laughs> You're still the title card. I can see that.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he called, or he messages me, like, asks if I can come over and like just take a look at this thing. And I was like. Do I have to put on pants? And he's like, no. Don't worry about it. And so I was wearing these boxers that I almost wore to future chat. They're, it's got Homer Simpson and pie, and he's saying, mm, pie? Hey, Rob. You got your four third,
2: third back. I'm aware.
1: <laughs> nice. So, um, so uh, he shows up, and his mom was babysitting this kid for most of this one summer. Great kid. And he was like, you know, maybe four or so. So, you know, about that age. But he hops out of the car, and I look at my cousin, and I'm like, so I'm putting pants on, am I? He's like, yeah, sorry about that. And the kid was like, Just like put on this most scrutinizing face, like, why are you wearing those shorts? (laughs) It's like, well, these are the shorts I wear around the house. It's like, why do they have Homer Sim Sim on them? It's like, well, you see, (laughs) he's saying he likes pie, and I like pie, so I like these shorts. He's like, okay. And like <laughs> walks up just
2: completely unsatisfied with the situation. Not realizing you're not actually wearing pants.
1: I uh, I think he realized that they weren't like proper pants or <laughs> proper trousers if you're into that nomenclature. But it was just, I don't know. Kids are fun. It- didn't trousers originally mean underwear? No, pants originally meant underwear in England.
0: Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, you're right.
1: So sorry, they were actually pants yes. by that definition.
0: That kid is smart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that funny kid.
0: Is there anything people actually want to say on politics in this?
2: I don't know, like. Yeah. I think I'm not exactly as, sure what you were going for I think i I kind of know what you mean like as far as American patriotism is like er guns oh we're yeah. keeping those Mexicans out like that kind of thing whereas I think yeah Canadian isn't like we're not saying our ideals are better than anyone else's it's like you know we're reunited as a country and we're proud of. Are the, yeah, like you said, the freedoms and the values we have, but it's not, like, elitism.
0: Right. I think... I'm, I'm going to try to put this eloquently. I have it wrapped up in my brain. Hopefully by describing that it's wrapped up in my brain, I haven't lost my train of thought.
1: But, Paint us a picture, Rob. Paint us a word picture. So,
0: Americans... American patriotism is everyone who is an American is awesome for this, this, and this reason, and we don't need or want anyone else to be an American. Like the people that already are Americans are awesome. Like people that there are a lot of Americans, not maybe a lot, but enough Americans that absolutely do not want immigration of any kind. They don't want new Americans. They want, they like the current people who are Americans and that's really great. And America's great. And everything that they currently espouse is great. Whereas Canadians, I think a lot of people would be very, a lot of Canadians would be very happy to accept anyone around the world who espouses Canadian values and freedoms and would even go so far, I know I would as to say that anyone that holds dear the same positive values and ideals and freedoms that I hold dear, I would be willing to already call them a Canadian. I would say if there's a guy in, I don't know, Hungary who wants to come to Canada and gives reasons that are, that are positive and, and, has good values and all of these things that Canadians hold dear. I would be like, yeah, it doesn't, like, that's good. He's a citizen. If he can pass our citizenship test, you don't need any red tape. He can be a Canadian. He can come to Canada.
1: I think you're painting with very broad strokes there. Well, you have to with politics. And- yeah, absolutely. Politics These are complicated. Hard. You just you say one thing, North. and that's it, and that's how it goes. No, but seriously though, like there are Americans who espouse that, and but when we say of course. Americans, of course there are. You yeah. and I and Mike also are Americans. North, North, North Americans. You're, you're, and like to the same extent that Argentinians are Americans because we live in the Americas. <laughs> yeah, but. So when you're saying Americans, I believe you're referring to citizens of the United States of America.
0: Thank you for clarifying that
1: one. So People the are other thing, confused, jeez. Yeah, people would think Mexicans are trying to keep Mexicans out of Mexico. And, oh, <laughs> what sense is that? No, but like my point is, there are Americans that espouse of that course there are. they want to shut down immigration. There are a ton of Americans who are probably in a silent majority who are fine with immigration. That, and they having yeah. having lived in Belleville for a while, I can tell you there are a <laughs> lot of Canadians that do not want more immigrants. Absolutely. They, Look and, at like course, Redneck Alberta. Redneck Alberta is the exact same way. Yeah, like they just, ugh. It is and I mean the original when you're talking about if there's someone who espouses our values. We're happy to call them us already. That's the original... Um, that's how they were setting up America, at least according to the mythology, that it didn't matter who you are or where you were from. They wanted a meritocracy where you know immigrants could come from around the world and achieve their dreams. And that's they did. why the Statue of Liberty says give us your tired, your poor your your huddled masses yearning to breathe free yeah
0: unless you're Irish in the 20s whenever it was like there was a certain point that it it didn't change but the, the majority view or at least the loud view switched away from that and went to who are these people coming like I don't know these people what if they're bad people and it got, it became fear.
1: That's true. And I mean, I'm, let's get political here, guys. I'm opposed to immigration when people come to Canada and they don't like the ideals of Canada and they want to change Canada. And I'm like, well, if you don't like how it's set up, why would you come? Yeah. Because there are people like that and that's the kind of stuff I object to. But there
2: are people like See, that. See, it's it's okay to change too, if it's change for the better. Like there's there's a lot of things about Canada like Canadian leadership or governings that I'd want to change. Right. Like so I think I suppose we're... like you, you need you need people who want change because that's the whole point of politics and government is to have choice in how things are done. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's
0: kind of unfortunate that each of us can, in turn, in a circle, like go grander and grander scale, and be like, well, if you go even bigger, it's like, and then eventually you get to a point where we're just talking about the entire world, and it's like, we should make the world a better place, and be like, yeah, but that's so complicated. We'll just like that's politics. Is you just keep getting bigger and grander until you're like, oh man, that seems like a lot of work. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. Like, so long as you're down with most of the constitution I guess because there are some constitutional amendments that will change but yeah.
0: you, you almost need to have a system in place in, a, in a, the founding of a country that has a built in this doesn't last forever check it again in 50 years check it again
1: in 100 yeah. years well, we do have about that. It's the decide. system of constitutional amendments.
0: No, I, I know, yeah. but people... people. I'm not going to... I'll say especially in the States, but what I mean is there are people in the United States who believe this. Not everybody, but people. If it's written in the Constitution, this Constitution written by flawed people based on stuff written by other flawed people earlier, they hold that as though it is the, the meaning of life is these things that are written on this document like the right to bear arms, where it, when it doesn't... Yeah. It's open like, to interpretation.
1: Yeah, well, well, and- Come on, Rob. Do you want the King of England to just show up and start pushing you around? Is it, Well, I mean, that's a poor example because the Queen could show up and start pushing us around according to our constitution. But <laughs> I digress. So that's
2: that's a perfect example right there. Uh,
1: no, no, no. But <laughs> if, if she did, we
0: would suddenly go, whoa, 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 nope.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, so get,
0: sort of kind
1: of how are we gonna yeah. do that, Rob? Our armed forces swear allegiance to the Queen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's 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 very similar to <laughs> It's oh, it's, it's similar to like and I guess you're opening a whole other kind of worms with like, you know, religious text interpretation. Right? How how everything was written for its time and it was relevant to its time in the spirit of ideals that people had at that time so you can't yeah, in context, so you can't look back at something written 150, 200, 1000 years ago, apply it exactly as it's written today and hold that as the same weight that it had back then, like with the significance of the Queen or like you said, the right to bear arms or any of that kind of stuff, right even this thing, what was the thing I read the other day about, was it Nick or Rob that posted about the thing with like the beer laws in Ontario, (laughs) where Ottawa.
1: <laughs> I'm going to
2: blog about that. I am
1: so upset with the
2: state yeah. of beer laws in Ontario. Yeah, like alcohol prohibition laws were like way back when, oh. but the laws that are in the legal documents that hold valid today, which they shouldn't.
0: There is a rule on the Ontario alcohol law books, I don't know what they're called or where they are, says that you, if you, unless you are a brewery of a certain size, you are not allowed to operate more than one restaurant that sells your. Yeah, beer.
2: That, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's,
0: uh, oh. <laughs> maybe that was me. That's yeah, so no, annoying. Was,
2: yeah, a restaurant
0: now that wants to open a second location, but they can't because they also brew beer and they don't brew enough beer to qualify for the second restaurant. Yeah, so yeah it's just... the
1: dumbest thing of life. I can't believe the state of Ontario liquor laws. And, and no, sorry, not liquor laws, beer laws. Yeah. Anything under 10%. That's crazy. <laughs> but if I could, interesting note, um, went to see the Book of Mormon last Sunday. Fabulous play. Keep in mind, it's written by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, yeah. who also write South Park and Team America, so that is the ver- level of vernacular that you should expect out of this. But absolutely uh, great message at the end of it all. Um, more to do with the grander point of, you know, literalism within, or biblical literal, literalism, which are, I took a religion class, and apparently biblical literalism is only like 100 years old or so as a concept. It doesn't surprise me. Like for a couple thousand years, people were like, oh yeah, well you read it with context. But then... 1900 rolled around and people were like no! It is written like this and so you do this and this and this. And that is how the world works. Yeah, And they
0: ignore those other parts because they don't matter but only certain things matter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well I, I mean think... what is a what is a church other than a group of people that have their values or project their values upon a text? That's why you have so many Christian churches. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like I think it was more the rise of more liberal interpretations or modifications of religious ideals that they're like, no, we need to stick to the text. When it came to mm-hmm. interpreting it in a Catholic versus Anglican versus Presbyterian versus Baptist sense, no one cared because they were all fairly aligned in the general spirit of the writing. But then once you start going into, you know, like same sex marriage or smoking marijuana or any of that kind of stuff, then like, you know, it's it's we can say, well, the Bible either doesn't say anything about it or, you know, that was old times about so we'll talk about slavery or any of that kind of stuff, so it doesn't apply today, and then then that's like, no, we need to stick to the text. And that's kind of what people turn to when you start expanding the the interpretation to a more differing interpretation, yeah. I guess.
1: Well and I mean I When you're talking about that, like, Old Testament, Leviticus especially, wow, does he have a lot to say about a lot of different things. Yeah. I think it's interesting and sometimes funny how
0: when something new will come up, something that couldn't have been predicted in any biblical texts, like Twitter, for instance, if we go back to social media, people will try to interpret passages in religious texts that could apply to social networks or social media and either try to say, this is a great thing or this is a terrible thing based on interpretations that couldn't possibly have considered
1: a social network because it was written thousands of years ago. (laughs) And like yours is a religious text as a guide for your moral compass. And that's, I don't know. It seems perfectly reasonable that a religious person would consult religious texts to decide what to think about things.
0: Right, but the, I think, at least in my opinion, that some people try to apply it too broadly. They'll try to they'll make a stretch or. According
1: leave. to your morals and your values. <laughs> All right,
0: I'm well, pretty so sure my morals are fine. Moral <laughs> relativism,
2: Rob. It's 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 more like the further you get, or the more advanced you get from when. Any text, religious or not, was written. It becomes less and less applicable and relevant at that time. So you need to start stretching the interpretation of it to apply to whatever you're trying to deal with.
1: You guys, you need to watch the Book of Mormon because this is like the whole point of of the whole play. You gotta watch it. It's amazing.
0: I'll eventually. Well, I haven't seen it. Uh, Julia signed. Yeah. She, she really enjoyed it. Was a bit shocked, but.
2: Yeah, I think that's their, point. <laughs> who was the sure movie? that's their point. Who was the actor that was doing the New York, the Broadway one? Wasn't that uh, Daniel Radcliffe? No, it was,
0: there was a guy, Andrew Reynolds, and Josh Gad was in it as well.
2: I thought there was like a more mainstream movie star that was in it.
0: Uh, Andrew Reynolds is his name. He was also in Girls.
2: That's not what I'm thinking of.
1: I think my most favorite part of the whole thing is when Jesus calls someone a dick.
2: <laughs> also probably, the
1: scary Mormon hell dream.
2: He probably could call someone that today. With, <laughs> in today's I think he could.
1: This is a great play. Just fantastic.
0: Can I also point out, just on going back to Book of Mormon for a minute, just because oh. I've never said this on the record, um, it, the guy who worked with Matt Stone and Trey Parker to write the songs and music for Book of Mormon was also the guy that won the Grammy and has an EGOT for Frozen, in part for Frozen.
1: Yeah, well, he he also helped write Avenue Q, I think, which is another one of my favorite plays ever or musical. To think that the the creative
0: power behind the Book of Mormon and Frozen were the same guy, (laughs) part the same guy, is just great to me. It's really good songwriting all across okay. the board. Fantastic. Yeah, the two main guys are Josh Gad and Andrew Reynolds.
2: Okay. Do we
1: have anything else we want to say? Um Dear Americans, please don't stop watching. <laughs> No, but that's the thing is
0: we're we're we're. I don't even want to say we're railing, but we're talking about Americans who don't espouse the values that we're talking about. The decent Americans are great and they're awesome. Keep watching, Uh, decent Americans. There are so many
1: of them. I don't think anyone. Other guys go eat an apple or something. Go go seed an apple tree. Eat a bag of apples. All right,
0: are we are we done for the week? I think Probably. so. Any thoughts on a, a chat topic for next week? One, I'll I'll propose mine and you guys can let me know what you think. So next week is going to be November first, which is the day after Halloween. Okay. What do you guys think about doing something to do with? I, I like the debunking thing we've been doing. Yeah,
2: like the super supernatural, supernatural
0: type stuff, paranormal, whatever word you want to yeah. use. What do you guys think of talking about stuff like? Ghosts or ESP or
2: yeah, that'd be cool. And like you could you could talk about like ghost hunting technology.
1: Yeah,
0: things then... like Bigfoot. Even
1: if we really wanted to go that far. Are you saying Bigfoot isn't real?
2: <laughs> I am. Technically, I'm, technically I'm, we just haven't I'm found. Founder, sure I want
1: to be a part of this chat anymore, guys. Jeez. ghosts are real. Shoot done everything I, I believe in. in.
2: From a scientific standpoint, you can't actually say Bigfoot isn't real.
0: We're going to talk about this next week, and we're going to talk about how that is technically true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just The evidence is not in his favor.
0: The evidence is lack not. Thereof.
2: Lack thereof. Anyway. And all evidence of so Mike.
1: Sorry? Mike is taking the uh, Sasquatch agnosticism yeah. approach, yeah. I believe. Exactly. <laughs>
0: For these heavy or Sasquatch... All the evidence for it is either proven hoax or like a part of a movie set.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so we'll anyway, that's a preview to next week. <laughs> yeah.
0: All <right>. Oh
1: boy. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. See you. All right. Bye. See you later. Bye.